Hello and welcome to the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host, Ariana Cascone, and I'm excited to be back to round out our 2023 season previews ahead of this weekend's first match. And I'm joined today by our very own Jeff Kasouf. Jeff, how are we doing? This weekend, that that is right. We are right on the verge of being back, which um, I don't know. For me, it felt like a, a short off season. I don't know about you. Yeah, it felt simultaneously really short, but really long. So I don't know. I'm nonetheless, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, same. Um, so today we're going to chat more about our 2022 NWSL finalists. So the champions, Portland Thorns, and then runners up, Kansas City Current. But before we dive in, we just want to remind all of our listeners about the Equalizer's flash sale that's ending this week. You can get your first year of NWSL and USWNT courage for just coverage, excuse me, for just $23. Click subscribe if you haven't already and enter the coupon code 23. That's the number is 23 to get the deal. You'll have access to an entire season of coverage plus World Cup coverage and analysis for less than $2 per month. Courage coverage too. (laughs) Courage coverage, too. That's exactly (laughs) right. All of it. Okay. So today we are talking about the ghosts of courage past, I suppose, in Kansas City. Mm. (laughs) But Kansas City finished 2022 in fifth place with 36 points. So they had 10 wins, six draws and six losses last season. Um, They also had a, a zero goal differential, which is interesting. So they were actually tied on points with two other teams and they were finding themselves on the end of that list because of their GD. Um, but I think the big story for Kansas City last year is that they did a complete 180, right? They were not very good in 2021 and then charged their way into the finals in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a generous way to put it for 2021, right? I mean, this is, <laughs> um, you know, not quite a worst to first, but about as close as it, you know, it can come in terms of um, certainly making the final. And, and then obviously, as you said, sort of, being in shield contention up until, you know, the very end there. Um, so, so I think, you know, a, a big turnaround, I, I think, you know, we'll talk about some of the the roster turnover here. I mean, that, I think an interesting thing with that turnaround was, you know, I think you could say um, not in a way that takes away from, from the players, but, but in many ways kind of coach driven, I would say in terms of like, there, there was roster turnover, but maybe we're, maybe this is sort of retrospective because we've seen such a drastic change this off season for this team. But, um, you know, it, it didn't feel like it was so much that the personnel changed so much. Um, at least the personnel that played, right? I mean, I, I think until we had the unfortunate news of like Lynn Williams and Sam and Sam Lewis never saw the field, basically not in the regular season that, you know, we, we thought, okay, well, you know, this will be this they will lead this huge turnaround. And in the end, there was the turnaround without those two. And, you know, I, I think um, obviously a lot of credit there to, to Matt Potter coming in and um, revamping. Uh, I feel like head to toe kind of figuratively would be the way to put it. You mm-hmm. know, the, 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 I guess, I don't know about culture, but maybe confidence of the team. And then obviously tactically they were in that sort of hybrid three, five, two that, um, they they really stuck with throughout the season that you know very much was not their identity um, in in 2021. So you know I think um, th- there were some foundations there in 21 for like you know those of us which I know you and I were that, that were paying attention in terms of um, at least toward the tail end of the season they were a team that was better than their record in 21. But you know I, I think um, 
a really interesting turnaround last year. And then, you know, this year is, is sort of how do you follow that up and, and how do you integrate these, these big additions that we'll talk about that um, have joined a, a team that already made the final. Yeah, that's exactly right. Thinking about how you follow up your performance from last season. I think one really awesome way is to go out and sign Dabinia, one of the best midfielders in the world. So, I mean, Kansas City won the Dabinia sweepstakes. We've been saying that all off season, really, but they've also added Vanessa DiBernardo and Morgan Gatra. So their midfield is just stacked this season. And I guess a question for you and one that I've been thinking about is how is Matt Potter going to pick who is the best starting midfield, right? There's just so much talent there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, I I think this is kind of a roster that's been built with an eye toward, I mean, this season and next there's the Olympics next year. We've got the world cup, obviously, you know, I think there's always an inherent challenge for every team uh, with any level of internationals, which is, is essentially everybody to some degree, to how do you sort of navigate a season like this? How do you sort of maintain continuity when you have these sort of um, I'm trying to remember who there was a coach recently that talked about almost having like not an ABC squad, but three different, you know, uh, levels, um, three different rotations of sorts because of, you know, navigating an international year like this. And, um, you know, I, I think obviously Dabinia, you know, all these things barring, everybody being healthy to being off to the world cup, you know, Desiree Scott, obviously for Canada. Um, so I, I think you look at that and, and you almost, you know, Dabinia is, is this like ultimate luxury of, you know, one of the best players in the world, I think Kansas city and and the league at large won that, that sweepstakes that she didn't go abroad because I think that probably would have um, rightly or wrongly d- dictated some, um, bigger sort of think piece conversations, right. About retaining top talent in this league. But um, if you look at, you know, you add Di Bernardo, you add Gatra, they're not going to the world cup. Right. So you add that to Lola Bonta um, in, in some ways you have a, a sort of foolproof plan for the world cup. And then around those dates, around those availabilities, you know, you're adding Dabinia. I mean, that's, that's obviously, and, and Desiree Scott too, in that conversation. I mean, that's, you know, quite a, you know, quite a, a luxury to have. So I think, you know, in some ways um, they've, they've bolstered this. I don't think that they lose a lot when you look at how impactful Labonta was. I think I'm really interested to see where Alex Loera nets out in terms of her position that, that sort of bounced around throughout the season last year and, and was, you know, she was effective in, in multiple spots at, at center back in that three back and, and in the midfield in a holding position. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that I think the challenge is probably just like cohesion across the the entirety of a season. But, you know, I, I think that they're pretty well protected in that, you know, assuming that what they got out of that midfield core last year holds true this season, um, that, that there should be a relative carryover and then everything else is bonus. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And, and thinking about Alex Loera's role last year, I think that's a great point. And that speaks to Matt Potter's, I guess, uh, faith in his rookies. So some head coaches will not play their, their young players. And that's not the case at the current, especially for Matt Potter. We saw that last season. And I mean, the current have, you know, the top 
draft pick in Michelle Cooper. So, I mean, I think she would probably be seeing the field in any squad, but her being in Kansas City and just Potter's record of playing rookies, I'm really excited to see what she will bring to their attack. Yeah, I I mean, look, you know, I think you look at the investment. I mean, number two pick for uh, trading away Lynn Williams, who is obviously a proven talent, didn't ever get to really – uh, very briefly, I guess, saw the field for Kansas City, not in the regular season, like we said. So, um, you know, I, I think that the message there on draft day was that, you know, and t- and take this with maybe a grain of salt, right? I mean, I, I think that inherently uh, there's a lot to talk about with how Kansas City has built this team and how they've afforded this too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that there's definitely a cap conversation to Cooper for Williams, but, you know, the the message that they were conveying was that, they felt Cooper was this better long-term fit, which is is high praise for Cooper, obviously. So, um, you know, Lynn Williams is is a proven talent, one of the top goal scorers in league history here. So, um, you know, I, I think that that puts um, an interesting level of implicit pressure on on Cooper over the long haul. And then, how does she fit in with, you know, Kristen Hamilton, CC Kaiser? I think did did very well last year as as that two front. Um, you know, respectfully, I don't think either is is kind of um, superstar status in this league. Very solid players with, you know, proven history in the league at this point. Maybe, you know, Hamilton a little bit more um, or a little bit longer. But, um, you know, where does Cooper fit into that as as sort of being invested in as this, you know, this top player? And, and obviously, you know, that's that was I feel like that was a conversation we were having with Elise Bennett, who who they've moved on from as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, interested to see how that shakes out for the current. Yeah, I am too. And and they also add Mimi Larson and Alexis Spantra to their forward line. And um, I'm interested to see Larson in the NWSL. She was consistently productive off the bench in Sweden as a nine, a winger. Um, she also started some games. So I'm not really sure what the vision is there. Um, I could see... Spantra coming, Spanstra, excuse me, coming off the bench, um, more so than I would see Cooper coming off the bench. But again, it's sort of hard to tell. We haven't been able to watch any of the preseason matches, so we're not, <laughs> um, not seeing how things are gelling, but lucky that it's only a couple of days away till the first match. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and thinking about the defenders. So we didn't touch on the, def- uh, the back line yet, and they have some, I would say, a potentially exciting addition in Hannah Glass. So what what's your take on on that acquisition um for the current this season? You know, I, I mean I think interesting in in terms of where she's at in injury recover in recovery, obviously. Um, you know, it's it's obviously just given that, I, I think sort of looks like more of a, a longer term, again a relative term here, but you know, a longer term sort of play. Um, you know, I think obviously that there's the narrative around sort of Kansas city becoming a destination as you know, they build these, they've opened the training center 2024, they open the the first stadium that's built for an NWSL team. So I think that, you know, th- there's some conversation there and I think that makes it an attractive place for, um, I, I think it's impossible to argue, right? I mean, Dabinia choosing it, you, you've got Hannah glass, you've got some other players, um, obviously that, that have been there that chose to stay in free agency. So, you know, and, and that chose that as a destination free agency, we talked about Di Bernardo and Gatra. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think glass will be interesting in that, you know, 
when healthy, known as a top world fullback in a system that uh, puts a lot of emphasis on their fullbacks. And, and you know, Kate Delfava and and Haley Mace did really well in those wingback roles last year. Um, where does Glass fit into that? I mean, look, they, they didn't sign a top international player to come in and sit on the bench. So, um, you know, it, it seems like, uh, to your point, the uh, the league of little information here, but, you know, just based on when she had surgery in September that, you know, she's not immediately going to be available, right? So, um, you know, maybe, maybe that sort of champagne problem to have is, is a little bit down the line, but um, I guess, you know, logically I might expect – Mace, who is versatile, Delfava as well, but you know, I might expect, assuming the system stays the same, that that Glass and Mace are are your wingbacks um, in that three-five-two, and then um, you know, see, see how that plays out from there. Yeah, I'm excited to see potentially that combination. Uh, I I'm typically really high on Mace. I think she's a little underrated. Um, I she was catching some headlines last season for some of her like screamers that she scored, which is always fun. Um, but I think she's a really solid option for the current. And I mean, some of her play got her back into the national team pool, you know, for some friendlies last year. So I, I, that's not to say I think she's going to the world cup, but um, I think it just speaks to her performance last season. So hopefully we see that out of her again in mm-hmm. 2022. Um, so we like to just sort of wrap these sections up, I guess, with a little bit of a prediction. So what is your take on Kansas City's 2023? Will they make the playoffs? Will they return to the finals? Mm. Listen, I've covered this league every year. <laughs> I think predicting a final, I mean... It's, it's impossible. It's a, it's a fool's errand in that, um, you know... I mean, we see it, right? Look at... look at. I mean, um, you know, the, the... Who am I thinking of? Um, just the various sort of... Uh, ownership and and coaches and everybody who like to sort of cherry pick a uh, a sort of passing prediction but um you know i think the final obviously you got to once you get to the playoffs i think it's it's anybody's game right but i, I think this totally. is clearly a playoff team a a contender a favorite um you know you look at the continuity and and you have to look around the league in a league that doesn't always have continuity right i mean we just said this is a this is a team that i think mostly kept everybody right if you if you factor in williams and muis never playing essentially mm-hmm. and and only added to that in significant ways this has to be a team where the standard is winning a championship it has to be that's i couldn't agree more honestly and i i really agree that there's no sense in in predicting playoffs now <laughs> or even actually once we know who the six are it's hard to tell who's going to win them because of the parity so That is a wrap on Kansas City, and we'll just take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk about the Thorns. Don't go anywhere. Okay, and we're back to talk about the Portland Thorns, the 2022 NWSL champions. They won the championship, but they actually did not win the shield. So it sort of slipped through their fingers. They finished in second place with 39 points. They didn't win the shield because they couldn't beat Gotham, last place Gotham, in their final game. They played mm. to a 3-3 three, 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 three draw instead. Um, but 
Portland season had last season they were I would just say dominant um, they won not 10 games and they drew nine of them they only lost three times they scored 49 goals and their goal differential was the most in the league by a landslide it was plus 25 and then OL Reign was plus 13 the next most so they were lights out last season um, and I think a big upside for them is they're returning players that accounted for 90 percent of their minutes played from last year um, which is really great but I've been thinking a lot about some of their off the field moves. And of course, the biggest one is that, uh, Rian Wilkinson resigned in the off season. So new head coach Mike Norris will take over. And I guess I'm just not sure what to think about that just yet. Yeah. I would also say, I mean, you know, I think blew that shield with a 3-1 lead against Gotham, <laughs> a team that had lost 12 straight games. So, you know, I, I think we can rightfully forget about that because they went on and won the championship. But I think um, maybe when the shield comes back up for grabs later this year, that might be a a memory that they hold close. Um, yeah, I think, look, I mean, everything that I heard about this when it was sort of in the process was that this was a, a move that players wanted for continuity that, you know, Mike Norris knows uh, at least what was worked on over the past year under Rian Wilkinson. Right. And, and that, um, you know, obviously it worked. Obviously Wilkinson had built uh on the field certainly a team that, you know, was was clicking and, and won a championship. So, you know, I, I think that this was seen as a way to continue that. Um you know, I've seen some of the I don't know if they're conspiracy theories. I think that they're they're <laughs> somewhat legitimate to at least acknowledge the fact that this is a team that is for sale. Um I, I don't think that necessarily affects the the technical group in, in a direct way, but uh, I mean, I think it affects sort of how you plan long-term. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot going on with this team, obviously, you know, the circumstances around Wilkinson leaving, which I think we've talked about uh, both on the pod and certainly written about on the website, um, you know, resigning after an investigation that she was cleared from, but that there was, um, you know, I think in, in the, the landscape that we were in. I think she obviously recognized um, that, that moment. So, um, you know, I think that there's, there are a lot of sort of intangible questions around the thorns for me. And, you know, the roster is very similar, the coaching, uh, you know, Mike Norris moving up to head coach promoted to head coach is, is a move for continuity. I mean, you look at this on paper and everything feels like it should be the same. Right. But um, you've got the World Cup year for one, again, as everybody does, but you've got some of the circumstances by which those changes were made. You have the team for sale. You have, you know, even things that have spilled into the new year, right, with with sanctioning. And, and um, I think that, you know, it's fair to wonder how that necessarily affects the team, right? And and maybe it, it won't. And And I think it's also fair to say, you know, I think we've heard from players a lot this off season. And as this new season has approached that they're ready to move forward. And I think, you know, again, as we've said many times in this space, we will respect that it's, it, it does serve as context though, for wondering, you know, as much as this is the same thorns team, is it going to perform the same exactly? That's a great question. Um, and, you know, I think it's hard to answer in general and, I think learning about what was going on behind the scenes last season made their championship win, at least for me, even more impressive. I mean, 
even the championship aside, they were dominant, like I said. And obviously they were dealing with some off the field things. And I mean, the players are remarkably resilient, clearly um, wish they didn't have to be in those circumstances, but just thinking about that and um, potentially hoping optimistically that um, off the field things don't weigh so heavily this year. I could, I could imagine those, those circumstances maybe not being um, as big of a player but like I said, potentially that's optimistic. <laughs> Hopefully that is correct. Yes. Um, so thinking about some, I guess we can talk about World Cup in terms of Portland, because I think they are one team that will be hit the hardest. So I was just taking a look at their most recent roster and of their seven midfielders that are listed, presumably four of them will be away on World Cup duty. So Crystal Dunn, Rocky Rodriguez, Christine Sinclair, and Hina Sugita. So that leaves just three players, Sam Coffey, Olivia Moultrie, and Taylor Porter. So I guess the question for me is what is Portland's midfield or, or the strategy going to be during that window, right? Because it's not just that the Challenge Cup makes up most of those games. There are some league games that happen that, you know, the Thorns probably don't just want to wing, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and I think it feels like some level of maybe – I don't know if it's an outside chance at this this, this point, but I, I think certainly for now still, you know, Sam Coffey could be in that conversation too. And I think that would be, you know, a massive blow for Portland if if she were as much as they'd be happy for her, um, if she were on that final US roster, that that, you know, that would only add to it. So um, Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it puts for starters, I mean, just the numbers there don't add up. Right. So, I mean, there's, you know, there, obviously there are national team replacement players. I think historically Portland, um, I don't know that this holds true as much anymore in, in today's landscape, but Portland used to be a place where um, in the, you know, pre CBA days where if you were kind of on the verge of a contract, but maybe not quite um, you know, you, you'd, relish the opportunity perhaps to be a national team replacement player in Portland, where you have that amazing environment, you have the potential to be, you know, with, you know, quote unquote, the best team and the biggest team in the league. And um, there have been success stories from that, that have translated into full team contracts. So, um, you know, I I think that the, I think that'll be a factor. I, I don't know that it is, as reliable of a factor as before, but I, you know, I think you look at the group, Olivia Moultrie, it's been as hard as it is to believe several years now that um, she's, she's sort of been in this environment and, and um, I think increasingly has, has picked up more of a role. And, you know, I think you'd have to imagine that she's, she takes on a huge role in, in this season, this world cup period. So I think, you know, she's, the short of the answer, you know, I think likely the way it's shaping up now anyway, and things can change drastically. I think the, the number of injuries on this U S team and the number of uncertainties still with who's actually going to be back in time, you know, maybe Sam coffee is in that world cup picture, but if she's not, we saw how important she was last year. So I think those two players specifically, um, and then, you know, I, I think it's, is there a shape change at all? I mean, I'm really curious to see, as you said, sort of what this looks like. And I don't know. I mean, does it get a little bit drastic in terms of, I mean, we've seen Megan Klingenberg move up. I thought she actually did very well in higher positions 
um, in different positions in, in previous years. I'm trying to remember where it was, when it was exactly um, that we've seen her in those central areas and in those, you know, even like a number six role maybe. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it could get a little bit creative and, you know, they'll probably make it work for the most part, but I I think that um, it's a fair question and you wonder um, Portland's not the only team that has a depth question, particularly in this world cup year, but you wonder maybe how, um, how that was addressed because it's, it certainly looks like from the outside, there's, there's a problem there during the world cup. Yeah, I agree. Like in terms of their midfield, when Portland was acquiring talent in the off season, they, I mean, they drafted two players. They're working on a third contract for a rookie, but the ones that they have signed right now are Reina Reyes out of Alabama. And then Izzy uh, D'Aquila from Santa Clara. So Reyes is a defender. So I think honestly, I think that was a really great pick for Portland. Um, just shoring up their backline. I mean, Becky Sauerbrunn is not getting any younger as much as it pains me to say. And, <laughs> um, you know, presumably she'll be at the World Cup. So if Reyes can slot in and maybe get some minutes, I think that'd be really exciting. Yeah. And I mean, I think we should, we should say for anybody that just to be explicit, I mean, when we say World Cup, it's not just because you could look at the schedule and say, all right, well, there's a two weeks break and they're only playing the Challenge Cup for the most part. So, you know, you dodge the regular season, which is all true, but history tells us that, you know, especially if the U.S. makes a run, the the recovery period, the return to play, it all bleeds into, you know, post-World Cup and then obviously pre-World Cup. As I've reported previously, June 26 is the release date for every international that was negotiated somewhat tensely in the offseason um, and decided upon in the offseason recently uh, by the league. So, you know, that is two weeks or so before the actual FIFA release date. And it's three weeks before almost you know, several weeks before the actual start of the tournament. So it's, and, and there are other national teams that are looking for, um, you know, that will be assembling well before that date even. So um, it's not just, okay, the world cup, the NWSL is dealing with it. You know, it's, it's, it's more than that. Yes. That's, ex- that's a really great point that we should have mentioned. Um I think on paper, it's like two regular season games. So listeners might be like, well, what's the big deal? Yeah, it'll be more than that. <laughs> it'll be way more than that. Exactly. Um, yes. Yeah, so, you know, continuing on this, I guess, World Cup theme for Portland. I mean, a, a really big loss to their roster will be Sophia Smith because of really just the type of player that she is and, and how important she is for Portland. I mean, she broke the single season scoring record for the Thorns last season with 14 goals and three assists. And... American soccer analysis goals added. So their possession metric really loves her. Um, she has led the league in that metric for two consecutive seasons and it, she's improved over those years. So I'm excited to see if she brings her play to new heights in 2023. I mean, she is, she was coming off an injury. That was that right. She was in a boot and not playing um, for the national team recently. She's, she's been absent from the national team, um, you know, as, as U.S player injuries usually go that was classified as relatively small, (laughs) small, but I mean, history is that that hasn't always been an accurate thing historically when, when it's been initially said, but she played in the preseason tournament that just ended in Portland. So she, for, she looks good to go. So I guess altogether, what is your outlook on the thorns for the season? Yeah, I mean, look, similar to to Kansas City with maybe a lot more historical context, you know, it, it's 
I think this franchise standard is championship robust. You've got Smith who, you know, again, I don't want to scare too many people, but for all we, you know, it seems like she's in a good place from everything that's, that we've been told. So, um, you know, she will miss some time with the U S being a very important, she's a very important piece of, of that, uh, world cup title hope. Um, so, you know, I think again, replicating last season will be, will be huge, maybe difficult in some ways. Um, I do think, Morgan Weaver is, is, um, quietly has, has progressed quite well. And obviously they came into the league together in that sort of one, two package in the, that draft. Um, and, you know, maybe Weaver has sort of that full season in a world cup year here to shine. Um, you know, Janine Becky with the season ending injury in preseason in that tournament, not, not helpful, obviously, and, and really tough for her personally. Um, so, I mean, look, you know, the talent is all here again. It, I think similar to the Kansas City conversation, it really hasn't changed. Um, Kansas City obviously added even a bit more on top of the very solid roster that they had. This is very much, you know, minus maybe the Becky injury that we just said, like this is very much the same Thorns team that just won a championship. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the standard. And I, I think you have to, um, you know, I'll acknowledge that this is a league that never, that rarely goes to plan. Um, but it's also a league that, you know, again, where, where continuity is very difficult and, and the teams that can find it, at least in miniature spurts where, you know, you had that with the rain and FC Kansas City in the early days. You had that with the courage at, at one point. And, you know, the thorns have pretty much been evergreen in that, you know, from day one. Um, obviously the original league champions that, you know, I, th- I think this is a team where, um, you have to have those expectations and, and realistically, um, you look at the rosters around the league. This should be a team that is, is challenging for another title and a shield. Yes, I agree. Um, I think even on their worst day, Portland is likely to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is a wrap on today's show. Thank you everyone for listening. And thanks Jeff for joining me to talk all things, Kansas city and Portland. And of course, we'd like to give a special thank you to our distributor, Blue Wire Podcast, and our producer, Jacqueline Purdy. For The Equalizer, I'm Ariana Cascone, and we'll be back soon with more on The Equalizer Podcast. 